Great worship, by the way. Took us right into the presence of the Lord. Amazing. First note. Amazing. Thank you. Wow. God is good. Amen. As Reinhard Bonka would say, are you happy? Are you happy tonight? Oh, your enthusiasm overwhelms me. In other words, if we say in Texas, we say, are you happy? At least she could respond. Oh, amen. That's good. Thank you, Lord. Well, you know, this has been a great weekend, and I was just so thankful for this morning, for last night, and uh, we had a real Ephesians 4 pastor speak to us this morning. Didn't he just love us? Amen. And he's so funny. I was so jealous. He's just so funny, that guy. So, so funny. And uh, I wish I could preach like him. My goodness, it just trips out of his mouth, does it? Oh. And I tell you, when you got a couple of Scottish guys in the room, the place gets mixed, messed up. You know, I won't say any more than that. But he is a Campbell. Anyway, but praise the Lord. It's just good to be with you. You know, you had Jimmy Seibert here, the apostolic leader of the Antioch movement. And you got me tonight. Well, I'm supposed to be the prophet of the Antioch movement. And so we mess things up a bit. That's what prophets do, apparently. And so I want to speak to you tonight about embracing your corporate assignment. We were told how to embrace our uh, individual assignment that God had given to us individually, how to preach the gospel, questions to ask, all these amazing things that I was writing down and got to steal and got to teach my own people on. But and just so thankful that uh, for what God's been doing and what he wants to do this evening. Amen? We've got more people to pray for this evening. So, um, And they say when they let a prophet loose, then the clock needs to be shut off. <laughs> but never mind. Amen. Amen. Mr. Campbell's agreeing with me. So it's going to be a long day tomorrow. Amen. So <clears throat> I wanted you to turn to a scripture that's a foundational scripture for us as the Antioch movement and as an Antioch church. And this was a word God gave to me many years ago for my churches up in Scotland. This was back in the early 80s. And then I met Jimmy Seibert in 1989. And uh, we had been friends ever since that time, walking together. And, you know, I used to call him in the early morning when I didn't realize what uh, time change was all about, you know. So I would call him up, but not thinking that it was three or four o'clock in the morning. And I would say, hi, Jimmy. You know, it was, it was six hours more in Scotland at the time. And he goes, uh, uh, uh. And, and, and I said, yeah, I'm just phoning to check to see if you're up for your quiet time, you know. Want to make sure you, you stay focused on the Lord. And, um, and I've got this word for you. And one of the words that I gave him was Isaiah 54, verse 2 and verse 3. And that became, other two people gave him that same word in the same week. And that became a foundational word word for the Antioch movement, and it is today, and it also is in our churches, we're part of the Antioch movement too. And so over many years, and in my years of ministry, every conference I used to go to um, down in, in England and, and Crawley and different places like that, it was always about Ephesians 4. 
about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I think for 20-odd years, it was the same scripture every conference. So we learned about what it was to be, uh, for, for there to be apostolic leaders, what it meant to be a five-fold apostolic ministry, prof, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And, um, you know, we just love titles in America, don't we? Yeah, so everybody's a pastor, but it's only mentioned once in the New Testament. Oops. So we got a problem. Amen. And, and so, um, and, and my studies of it and, and just, you know, asking God about this and praying over it. Verse 2, <coughs> excuse me, verse 2 is... It's quite a verse. It's packed with um, uh, stuff about being apostolic and apostolic people. You see, when you've got apostles and prophets working together, then you can expect to see the church being apostolic and sending and all that we expect uh, the church to do um, in these days. And I believe God wants this church to embrace, and you are already, I believe, but he wants you to embrace your assignment as an apostolic people. And I'm going to just share a little bit about that. But if you will read these two verses, enlarge the place of your tent, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, do not spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And as I read uh, um, um, verse 2, um, uh, you know, just the Lord started to, me, to speak to me. When, when um, you, you, you take the word for enlarge, for instance, what that means, it speaks of vision. It means to broaden out in locality or a tent or a house. And <coughs> that spoke to me about apostolic vision. And we need a vision, amen, as we seek to move forward. We have a vision as a movement to see God uh, do great things in and through the nations. I think nearly there's nearly 50 churches in the, U, in the U.S. and there's nearly uh, 100 teams nearly in 50 countries. That's what we're part of in these days, amen? And God wants to do more. He wants to do more for us, in us, and through us. And then it says here, stretch out the, 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 the curtains of your dwelling. Thank you. And, and that word stretch out means to bend like a bow. Have you ever been stretched in doing something? That's what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. I call that an apostolic attitude. And we as a people need to have an apostolic attitude. It goes on to say, do not spare, or means do not hold back. Don't be dark. Don't withhold the light of who you are. I call that apostolic generosity. You'll find it in the Apostle Paul's life. Amen? And then it says, lengthen your cords and... Um, um, and that is uh, to lengthen, to draw out, and I, I call that apostolic opportunity. And God gives us opportunities, amen, like Revive Scotland, a wonderful opportunity. And I want to say thank you 
for taking those opportunities and coming to Scotland and being more than a blessing uh, to uh, revive Scotland in these days. I mean, I look at the feeding of the 5,000. That was an apostolic opportunity. And, you know, it's the only, it's mentioned, it's the only miracle to be mentioned in the four Gospels. But in John's Gospel, um, <clears throat> the Lord says to Philip, he says, um, what have you got? To, what have you got? To, have you got any food? You know, Philip said, no, "Well, we've got five loaves, two fish," and and he said, "Well, you give him something to eat then." And it says he tested Philip's faith. He tested him. And that's going to draw you out. That's going to, he's given us an opportunity for the more that he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. God wants to give you opportunities beyond where you are. Miracle opportunities. Opportunities to be who he says we will be. And then strengthening the stakes. That's when we drive a stake into the ground. Amen. I was in, in Waco and Jimmy and Cybert and I were praying in his war room one day. And I said, Jimmy, we need a tent peg in here. We need something to hold on to that helps us with our intercession. And uh, so he gets to the church and he said to one of the guys, you go and phone that tent company and get the biggest tent peg you can find. And well, he didn't go to the tent company. He went to somebody on, 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 that was um, on, on campus and he said, could you make us a tent peg? And this guy made a six foot tent peg. <laughs> I was more than excited. A six, it was bigger than me. You know, and could you imagine? And as I held it in my hand, I said, you don't know how big this is supposed to be. And the interesting thing, you know Rob MacArthur? Oh, that guy's terrible. Anyway, that guy, he, you know, he, he, knows, he even met the king the other day. He meets the king. And Dame Judy Dench, she's on the same plane to Aberdeen the other day. You know, and, and then who, he met someone else famous. But also, he knows the managing director of a circus that tours Scotland. I said, of course you do. And I said to him, get me a tent peg from the big top, you know. And so he's got me this heavy tent peg about this length. They have to drive them into the ground. And, you know, when they put out these tent pegs, this is not the message introduction, okay. Um, and, and when they put these, you're going to like this, but um, when they put these tent pegs in, they put in five into the one place to hold the cords in each corner of the big top. Think, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Oh, shikabamba. Amen. Come on. Oh, my goodness. So we have a corporate assignment together um, as a people. And so we have to guard our attitude in that place. We have to grow up into him, not be so easily offended by things that's going on, and to stand our ground and be the people we're called to be. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Okay, so let's look at this scripture and um, let me share with you one or two things because we have a lot of people to pray for. Okay? Two people agree with me. You're on the prayer team. The rest of you can go home. <laughs> 
Okay, the first thing is, and it's not difficult in this church, you need an attitude of praise. Amen? You've got to maintain that attitude of praise. You see, when you put an apostle and prophet in prison together, and they're worshiping, and they're praising God, and they're in unity together, no matter how beat up they were, everybody's chain fell off. Everybody's chain fell off. There's just something about that that's so important. They had an attitude of praise. Sing, O barren, it says in verse 1, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Okay, cry aloud. Somebody once says this, it's not over until the barren lady sings. (laughs) Amen? It's not over until the barn lady sings. And listen, not too far from here, there may be some churches that are not like you. I left one many, many years ago that was barren. And they need God again. Doesn't mean to say God's finished, but there was nothing happening in them. And we need to start singing our song again. Amen? Not just a song, but in worship and in praise. My goodness, when we started this evening, you just went right into the presence of the Lord. Amen? If you didn't get there, we'll raise you from the dead by the end of the meeting. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. An attitude of prayer, uh, praise. Second one is this, an attitude of prayer. Apostolic intercession. As we intercede. Now, some of you, maybe you didn't get your prayer language. If you're an intercessor, you need your prayer language. Jackie Pullinger says this. Why live with half your prayer life not working? Why live with, I mean, I went there and worked with her for a couple of days or so. And and I was on the night watch. And she came and told me what I had to do. So I'm in the little watchman's hut in their compound. And she said, right, Joe? She said, every 15 minutes you walk around this compound and you do not pray in English. You pray in the Holy Ghost. And the only people you don't let in that front gate is the police. Oh, I said, pardon me, you know, um, you know, the police? I mean, I was scared, but never mind, you weren't there, you, you, you wouldn't have been scared. Um, an attitude of prayer. And that's why your spiritual language is important to you. That's why David, you know, heard the Lord tonight and we were praying for you. Now, not everybody got free yet. But listen, if you were prayed for and you believe you receive, you have the gift of tongues. And you just need to allow God to grow that within you. Amen. Don't go home and say, him, home and say, You didn't get it to go home and thank God that you received it tonight by faith. And you'll find that the release will come more and more and more. An attitude of prayer. It says here, she cried aloud, cried aloud. And, you know, um, you've got to read it in its context. Isaiah 53 verse 12 says this, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. We're called to be like Jesus, can 
we pray like that, pray like Daniel, pray as, as he intercedes for the transgressors, pray and asking for forgiveness of sins over our nations and over these things and being in that place of prayer and intercession. Amen. It says in Hebrews 7, 25, therefore he is able to save, <clears throat> this is the Amplified Bible, Therefore, he's, also, he's able also to save forever, completely, perfectly, for eternity, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf. Jesus is praying for you tonight. Amen. He's praying for you and praying for me tonight. And we need to have that attitude of prayer. You know, when you get up, you're waking up in the middle of the night. Oh, well, I'll just go to the bathroom. But it mightn't be the bathroom. It might be the Lord. Maybe it was because, I. oh, maybe I've got heartburn. Maybe I've got this. No, he just wants you to pray. Amen. It was the, the, the 6th of January 2015. I woke up in a vision. It was in this little village called Crovy, very close to where I live. And, and I was walking along this narrow, just about as, uh, a walkway as, as narrow as this. And the sea was there and I could see the sea disappear like they say happens in a tsunami before the wave hits. I began to shout, get up on higher ground, get up on higher ground. And then I, I got on a bicycle and I went right across the face of the village shouting the same thing in a vision. And um, people were coming out who knew what it like it would be in a storm. And they were putting their shutters up and all that stuff. I got into my car in a vision and then I'm up on top of the hill and I'm wide awake. I'm saying, Lord, what are you saying? He said, well, answer me this question. If you knew that I was a wave of the Holy Spirit coming, what would you do? I said, well, we would have a meeting, wouldn't we? And he said, yes, that's what you would do. But what you need to understand is the next move of God is not coming out of your meeting. It's coming out of my presence. So therefore, you need to be on higher ground. So I've set, I've, 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 I set myself the, the goal of getting up five o'clock in the morning every, every day and praying in the Holy Spirit. During that time, I pray for you guys here as I'm praying for the movement. And, um, and, and I probably, if my wife was here, and she's a calculator, she used to be a math teacher, and she keeps, she sets me right now and again. And so she would say, I've probably done it at least 70 or 80 percent of the time since 2015. And it's a joy. It's a joy just to get up and to be in the presence of the Lord and to hear him speak to us in Jesus' name. And many churches went through a hard time through COVID. I couldn't get to the States, but I was praying for what God wanted to do in this nation. I discovered that there were four princi main principalities in power that were trying to hinder the work of the church and the work in America. It was annihilation, assassination, betrayal, and accusation. 
and that happened in many churches and stuff. And so that's been my constant prayer that that would stop and would would stop happening. And we need to be an apostolic people with an attitude of prayer. Hey, there's a great, what morning was that I was praying? Friday? Oh, I'll tell you, there's a great prayer meeting in this church. If you haven't attended yet, I was there. Amen. And you could be there too. I'm telling you, they're wild. They, once they get going. My goodness, yeah. Hey, number three is an attitude of faith. We need to maintain an attitude of faith. You see, without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. I don't care how many times you make the coffee or you sing the songs or whatever it is if you do, if you're not doing it by faith, it's not working. Because God loves a people who walk by faith. Amen? And so, you know, we we have to be that people. It says there in verse 1, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not bore, um, labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. An attitude of faith in believing what the word of God says that we will not be bereft of our children in any way but he will be a God that cares for us and loves us. An attitude of faith. Winston Churchill spoke about faith and he said faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Amen. He had a deeper voice than that. Fight them on the beaches. Amen. Here's a quote George Mueller, who fed the orphans in Bristol. George Mueller said, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Faith begins where man's power ends. Amen. Here's another quote. Faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. Gee, God loves that word impossible. You know why? When you are at that place of impossibility, that's when he gets all the glory. You just take the step of faith into the impossible and you'll see God move and see God do great things. Another great man from the north of England, Smith Wigglesworth, said this. There is something about faith that will cause God to bypass 20,000 people to get to you. If you're operating and walking by faith. Amen. Oh, I get stirred up when I read these quotes. It's amazing. And here's another quote. Faith is not faith until it's all you're holding on to. Faith is not faith until it's all you're holding on to. I don't have time for a lot of stories about it. But hey, we'll just keep going. I'll have to give you a Corey Ten Boom one. She was nice. Amen. Corey was nice. So Corey said this. Faith is like radar that sees through the fog the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. Amen. 
Number four is an attitude of humility. Because when God begins to enlarge us, then that's when we need to stay humble more than ever. It's not a case that humility is this groveling little, you know, you're groveling. Oh, just keep me humble, Lord. Keep me humble. No, when he needs you to keep you humble is when you're multiplying, when you're growing, and that you don't lose the place. You know that scripture in, 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 in Chronicles? You know, if my people... That was said to Solomon when he was at the pinnacle of his ministry. And God comes and speaks to him and says, Now, hey, you're at the top of the tree. They're coming from all over the world to see you. So, But if my people would humble themselves. Amen? Because God knew that they wouldn't be able to stay there. I always remember I was in this church, and this church was building a new building, and it looked fabulous and all the rest of it. This pastor said to me, he said, we're going to grow by 1,500 people the first day we open this building. I thought, wow. <laughs> and that's when the problems began, and that's when God started to humble them. He brought a greater humility into the situation because that during COVID, it was shaken. You see, COVID, it was not all about pruning. It was first about shaking. Because pruning, if you know anything about gardener, gardening, if you're a gardener, you probably love your plants. Amen? Not in a green way, but you know what I mean. I thought that was funny too. Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, <coughs> and our Father, our Heavenly Father, who so loves the world that gave us His only begotten Son, that means He loves you and me. He looks at the vine and the branches, and when He sees fruit, He prunes it that there would be more fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. And uh, Kirk covered a little bit of that this morning. So it's, it wasn't all about pruning, but a lot of shaking took place as people tried to, were trying to find out where they were at, and, and so many people left churches, and so many people haven't come back. But hey, we're still going. We're still doing what God's called us to do. Amen. And we just got to remain humble to what God's called us to be and called us to do. An attitude of grace. You'll notice in this scripture, um, it says here in, in verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Who's the them? Them is not in this room. Them's out here in this city that needs Jesus. That's the them. And they're going to come in here and they're going to take your seat. Because I notice you're a religious bunch and you all sit in the same place every time you walk in the door. I've been watching you. Amen. Just a religious bunch. Come on, we need to repent of that, and we need to be walking by the Spirit. Amen? When I'm teaching in training schools, I, I say, you've got to come by to church by faith. You know? As you get up in the morning, and I hope you shower in the morning, and especially you guys, um, women, you should be saying amen to me. And, and you're showering, say, Lord, wash me clean. Wash me clean on the outside and on the inside. And if you have a word for anyone in church today, Lord, I just want to tell you that I'm available. 
And you know the next question to ask God, where do you want me to sit today? I got your religious little thing here. Because you know this, you know this sanctuary, okay? And you just bring it to your mind's eye and say to the Lord, highlight where you want me to sit so that um, I can have a word for the three or four people around me. Amen. But you're all sitting in the same place. Or more or less. Amen. I'll be sitting in the same place tomorrow. No. I'll make sure I move tomorrow. But, you know, and it's the them. The them. I remember we were doing an outreach in Elgin in Scotland. That's another place. Some of you haven't been there. But, um, and, and we were having a great time. And then whenever the homeless people saw the tent going up, they said, Shelter. They thought that they had a place to sleep at night and all this sort of stuff. And then we did a barbecue at the end of the week. And all these guys, of course, it was raining in Scotland. I mean, you can't imagine that, can you? But still, it was. And they're all sitting in the tent. And, and you know, we're, guys are outside getting soaking wet, cooking and burgers and stuff. And they're, they're sitting there. And one guy says, where's my burger? And I want some ketchup on my burger. And I want my tea with two sugars. Where is it? You know, and I'm standing there. You know, but you wouldn't have done that. But you weren't there, okay? Um, But you see, the them are going to need grace. And so we need an attitude of grace as an apostolic people as we seek to reach out, not only in this nation, but in other nations. We're going to need an attitude of grace for our teammates, no matter where it is that we go. But I don't like that other person. Yeah, oh, they maybe don't like you. (laughs) But they're there because they're, as, as Graham Cook would say, that's your grace grower. Because they're there to grow the grace of God in you if you're a grumpy old soul. (laughs) But that doesn't happen here, does it? No. (laughs) Amen. An attitude of grace. Jesus in Mark 6, 34. When he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Verse 37, you give them something to eat. We need that grace of God working in us. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, I believe is amazing scripture that I don't think we always get hold of. Because it says, let us, we're talking believers, come before the throne of grace. That we might receive mercy and find God's grace in our times of need. Amen? Amen. That's after we've been to the cross. You see, where you and I belong is not the fruit of the cross after we're saved. We belong in the throne, at the throne. Because we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Amen? And so we need to practice the presence of the Lord and coming before the throne of grace that we might receive. It's the place of receiving what we need for the next phase of what God wants to do in and through our lives. And then we need to have that apostolic. Um, 
We need that um, attitude of generosity of heart. In other words, um, we don't withhold the light. It says in Isaiah 60, for instance, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness is going to cover the earth, and we sure see that today. Amen? As I keep saying, if you sneeze, we get the flu, so we are no better off than you, and we're not even worse off than you um, in many ways. But, you know, we've got to arise and shine in the midst of the darkness that's all around us. It's the only way that we're going to see God move. Bill Johnson said this recently, you're not full until you're overflowing. We had a bit of that earlier on, didn't we? We need to overflow, give away what we've got. You know, you can't hold on to it. The more you give, the more you... The more you give, the more you receive. Oh, oh, yeah, I'll just receive if I give it all away, yeah. You sound so excited about that, but never mind. I'm going to finish here in a minute because I've got a lot of people, we've got a lot of people to pray for tonight. An attitude of unity. That's a key word in the Antioch movement, isn't it? Unity. Walking together in unity. And verse 2 is all about these components of, of what I call the apostolic coming together and us being the people that God has called us to be. You know, we've been praying together in Waco and we're praying, we're asking God, God, could, could we be the ones that answers the prayer in John 17, 20? Lord, let us be the ones that could answer that prayer that's not, never, been, never been answered yet because he haven't found that people that will walk in unity together. That means I've got to let go. Some of the things are my, just my pet little rubs that gets up my nose or whatever it might be, you know? And you just got to let it go to, to walk together in unity and see God work and see God move in our lives, working together. Amen? He himself gives some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith. We'll not all be apostles. We'll not all called to be prophets, not all called to be evangelists, pastors, or teachers, but we're all called together in unity. And that's what God's looking for in our lives. So we keep short accounts with one another. We're going to believe together for the more that God wants to do in and through our lives. We're going to forgive. You know, I had a situation in my life where one of my pastors he used to come to the, with four churches in the Northeast and this one particular pastor, he would come and he would sit there and he would look um, as though he was baptized in lemon juice, you know. <laughs> he wouldn't smile. He wouldn't, you know, like all you, I don't see any lemon juicers here. Um, you know, and so he, he used to come and, and, and then he would be on his phone and stuff. And, and I, you know, I would say just the usual, well, who, who's got something to give thanks for? And I remember one day he said, not this Thanksgiving stuff again. 
And every month I would have to go to him and say, now what's the matter this, this, this month? What's happened this month? Until we came to the day where I said, you don't like me anymore. You don't want to follow me anymore. So I think I need to release you. And I've just given that church the building that we paid a lot of money for. I just gave it to them last week for the sake of forgiveness and flowing together. Because why hold on to something that's maybe got a bitter memory to it? It's only going to imprison me. And we can't do that. We must be a people that forgive and allow God to work in our hearts. It's the only way. You know, I was uh, one morning, I was speaking, I don't know where I was at, but I was speaking uh, to my wife on the phone, and then suddenly, you know, it popped up this message. And this message came from a lady that I hadn't spoken to for 25 years, and she lives in North India. She's a Canadian. Canadian. Anyway, so I just thought I would add that in. Anyway, um, and so after I'd finished talking to Yvonne, I called her up. I said, hey, I haven't spoken to you for 25 years. Why did you call me today? Oh, she said, I've got a story to tell you. Do you remember when you ministered to me 25 years ago? No. <laughs> You would have remembered, though, but you weren't there. Anyway, so, um, so she tells me the story again because 25 years before the time that I prayed for her, she told me the story of her mother being murdered. And then that I started to pray with her, and I said, no, I've got to ask you the impossible question. Will you forgive the murderer? And she said, yes, I'll forgive the murderer. And she said, now I'm calling you, because they never found the murderer. But she said, I'm calling you to tell you that they now have a test in America. They only do it in two places, apparently. I don't know where. She didn't give me that information. But she said, it goes a little beyond DNA. And it looks like they're going to be able to find the murderer 50 years later. She said, I just wanted to say to you, I'm looking forward to meeting the guy that murdered my mother so that I can say the words that I prayed with you 25 years ago. And you think you've got a problem with someone. Let it go. Let it go and let God work in and through your life in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, we're thinking about the apostolic. Amen? Amen? And we're becoming an apostolic people. That's what I believe. And so what we're going to do now, I'm giving the orders, Pastor, okay? You give him, I'll submit to anything you tell me to do. But um, for this one, Andrew and Heather, if you just come and stand here, please. Jordan and Priscilla, come and stand here. Sam and, and Sarah, uh, Chris and, and Sammy, you just come up here as well, all in a row here. We're going to minister to you. Where's the rest of the elders? We've got one in hospital. But right, um, come, come um, um, David and um, 
Elaine, come help me. Other leaders, come. Okay, maybe you need to step forward just slightly. Okay, we're going to pray for the apostolic anointing upon our brothers and sisters. If you want the microphone to pray anything, just signal to me. Okay? So, Father, we do. Come on, stand to your feet. That would be great. I think some of you were falling asleep on me now. So we're reaching out to our leaders. We're understanding we have an apostolic call on this ministry in Jesus' name. And we're releasing the grace of God over that today in the name of Jesus. We're praying for our leaders today in Jesus' name for all that God wants to do in and through their lives. And we're releasing the power of God this evening in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We do release that grace over our friends tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name, that they would carry us apostolically into all that you have for them in this next season in the church, Lord, that we would be aware of our apostolic assignment to the nations of the world in these days, in Jesus' name, and you will find that the door are going to open and you will be sending quicker than you've ever sent before and we will see God work and see God move in who you are as an apostolic uh, pastor in Jesus name we heard that this morning and as you live in that calling together we're going to see the power of God release more and more and more in the mighty name of Jesus thank you Lord for Chris and Sammy we do pray over you today and who you are in Jesus name in Jesus name we just pray the release of the Holy Spirit in and over your lives today in the mighty name of Jesus and all that God's called you to be and calling you to do in Jesus' name. And as you continue to move and and, 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 and the things that God's called you to, we're going to see greater things. I believe he would say that over you both, greater things, greater things in this season in Jesus' name. Prophetically in your music, prophetically in who you are and who God's called you to be, we pray that release today in Jesus name amen where's Jordan and Priscilla where are they oh you need to be forward here a bit yeah make room make room make room make room yeah hallelujah thank you Lord oh I thought I'd know here praise the Lord thank you Jesus thank you Lord Hey, we're having fun. <laughs> David, would you like to pray for Jordan? Mm. Priscilla? Mm. Thank you, Father. Uh, Lord, I pray the word enlargement over them. Amen. Yeah. And uh, we had that out of the text, Isaiah 54, 2 and 3 tonight. I pray they'd lengthen, see a lengthening of their yes. tent yes. pegs. Yes, uh, that they'd be given more territory. Yeah. Uh, that having been faithful in that which belongs to another, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. that you would give them more of what belongs to themselves, yeah, yeah. except still in relationship. 
Uh, and Father, whatever that means, Lord, I don't know. But we ask for your encouragement and blessing upon them. And to the extent that they have walked in submission, that you would bless that and entrust them with more. Please, Lord, more in Jesus' name. And I just feel like God wants to reassure you that, you know, I can see some train tracks and, you know, where there might have been a bit of fear, that, well, where would you send us? Don't, almost like praying, don't send us there or, you know, there's been a caution um, almost in your prayer life. And I feel like God wants to reassure you, I've got tracks. It's okay. I've got tracks uh, on which you're going to run. And uh, there's going to be quite a lot of speed involved and acceleration. Um, And, you know, uh, it is like a train and you're carrying people with you. And and so, Lord, I just pray for that reassurance that it's okay. Uh, You know, the Lord knows who you are. He knows your strengths. He knows your limitations. He knows he hears every prayer. He knows your thoughts. Have you forgotten that? He knows your thoughts. Even the things you don't express to him, he knows. He knows the thoughts. He knows the desires. And he says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. I've got tracks in which I'm putting in place for you to run on. And you're going to be going at top speed. And Father, I just want to pray also over this whole team. And I felt like the Lord gave me this picture of a cave. And I was thinking about how David, for a season, he was hiding in the cave. And then, you know, God called him out and and into battle. And I just feel like God wants to say to you, it's time to come out of the cave, out of the place he's been shielding and guarding and, and doing a work of preparation. He's saying, come out, come out of that safe place and into the, the larger place of my purpose because you are ready to fight the battles that are going to come, that he's given you the weapons that you need, that he has equipped you, that you are ready. So take courage, you know, be bold, be courageous, says the Lord. Come out from that place, that safe place, and, and trust me, I've got this. I've given you every weapon that you need to fight the battles, that, to take the territory that he's assigned for you. So be bold, be brave, because the Lord, your God, is with you. Amen. 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 Let's pray for the Zanakos here in Jesus' name. We do pray for you tonight in the name of Jesus. And we release that apostolic authority upon who you are in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank God for you. We thank God for his calling in your life. You know, I remember when we first met in in College Station. Um, and just what God did in those days. You know, I saw an excited young man and a kind of scared young lady, but I saw the Lord bringing you forth. I saw confidence growing in you, Heather, over and over again. Even this weekend, it's, you've gone to another level of who you are and who God has called you to be in the name of Jesus. And we do, we pray for you Andrew, in the name of Jesus. And we thank God for the growth. 
We thank God for the growth and who you are and who God's called you to be. And I just believe your heavenly father wants to say to you that he trusts you. He trusts who you are. He trusts who you're called to be. And he's giving you, he's given you the, the, the green light and the apostolic call that's on your life and on this church in Jesus' name. It's not that you stand alone. You need five other ministries with you at least, and you've got that. And we see that growing here within this place. And we see that your corporate assignment has been given to you in these days as well as the individual one. And we pray for the release of more. I just see the doors opening wide. I see the double doors of Isaiah 45 wide open. And it's not for all that's going to come in, but it's what's going to go out from where we are, like the storehouses of Joseph being open to feed the known world of the time of, of that time. In Jesus' name, we see the floodgates opening, and we see the Lord taking this family and causing them to multiply and grow throughout the nations of the world. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Father, we give you praise. We give you prayer. Go, everyone.